We have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, Dojo family. This is Zahara coming at you with a, another episode of the Dojo podcast. And I am feeling some fire in this phase. And I don't know if it's because all the planets are in retrograde, the sun is transiting over my Mars, or I've just moved through a major relationship transition, probably all of the above, but I am feeling some fire and it's the kind of fire that leads to breakthrough. It leads to empowerment. It leads to boundary setting. And I want to discuss some of my own journey and my imaginings around how the journey that I've been on and the discoveries that I've been making might touch some of your lives, especially those who are primarily of a feminine essence, right? And so I'm very much postulating and having some theories come up in my own journey in relationship to healing my own relationship with the masculine and how I navigate my own relationship with the feminine essence that is such a huge part of my being and the ways that I've been conditioned as a feminine being, the ways that I've learned to relate to the masculine, the ways that I've been conditioned to play small, to take over responsibility, to operate from a codependent space and the ways that I'm healing and evolving through some of these patterns through new awarenesses that have risen. So today, what I want to do is take us on a journey first through discussing codependency, attachment systems, and what I feel is an appropriate amount of self-responsibility and ownership. Then I want to go into tracking over responsibility and what that looks like and how to start to track when are you beginning to take over responsibility in your life? And this has been a theme for me that I've been discovering. And I noticed that often when I'm going through something that the individuals that I attract into my sphere, whether on in terms of listeners on the podcast, clients, friends, there tends to be a through line. There tends to be a thread that ties together some overarching themes that many of us are experiencing. So I'm really trusting that if you're tuning into this today, that some of what I'm learning for myself will also be material that is pinging you in one way or another, or pinging those close to you in one way or another. So then once we start to discuss kind of tracking, oh, when am I veering into over-responsibility? I want to talk about boundary setting 
and actually getting clear about your own boundaries. What is me? What is other? Why is it important to differentiate between the two? And what is the process of getting into right relationship with boundaries? And how do we actually discover more freedom, more truth, more liberation, and more love and connection when we have a healthy set of boundaries and how to track when it's appropriate to set those boundaries? So before we get into this journey together, as always, I'd love to invite presence. So let's all take one deep down belly breath wherever you are, exhaling all the old stale air out, exhale, ha. And inhaling to the deepest part of the belly, inhale, holding it at the bottom, dropping your root, landing yourself right here, right now, wherever you are. And exhale. And just returning to a regular breath, allowing yourself to declare spaciousness and presence so that you can receive at the deepest level that's available to you right now. And know that non-locally beyond time and space between us, your, the depth of your listening is so deeply appreciated. You know, I'm journeying with all of you through the momentum of this podcast, picking up steam and learning as I'm meeting more and more of you out in the world. Individuals have been approaching me and sharing about their experiences, listening to this podcast. I'm finding within myself, how simultaneously cool that is, how good that feels to connect with individuals who are being touched by what's coming through here. And also how vulnerable it feels because a huge part of the way that I transmit is through my own learnings that come from my direct experience and my own direct evolutionary process. And so I'm finding there's this vulnerability that comes up for me because I'm used to facilitating and sharing and transmitting in really tight, intimate containers within the dojo ecosystem and the dojo programs. And this podcast is the first time beyond just my Instagram page that I've created a container that can kind of touch with a broader stroke that can reach more hearts and more lives all around the world. And I'm finding that it's this expansion for me to be willing to share myself at this level and really come from the deepest prayer in my heart that what I'm sharing and, and how I'm learning is serving all of you who are choosing to listen. And I've been so touched by those of you who have sent me messages or um, come forward out in the, in the real world um, to share your experiences. So if you're one of those humans, thank you so much. And it's been really encouraging for me to continue to share myself in this way and continue forward with this work. So I want to begin by discussing codependency and our attachment systems and natural, authentic, healthy, empowered ownership of where our attachment systems are at play as a function of either hyper codependence or hyper independence and where it's really healthy to take responsibility and ownership for that. So I've seen in my relationship journey, for me personally, there's been a tendency towards an anxious attachment system that is a function of a, more of a lean into codependent dynamics. Now, I want to put a frame around the codependent, independent, interdependent arc, because from my perspective, there's actually not too far of a stone throw between codependency and interdependency, but the stepping stone in between is independence. So codependence is, you know, many of us who have grown up in homes with alcoholism or addiction prominent or parents with unresolved attachment wounding, it's common to experience codependency operating within yourself as a human being. So first of all, I just want to normalize and not, you know, 
villainize some of these topics that we're talking about. We really want to come from a compassionate place rather than a place of any shame or any judgment or any guilt. We're just, we're exploring with sober eyes, but also compassionate eyes, uh, some of these systems of attachment that we grow up in or that develop as protection mechanisms. So codependency is the lack of ability in many ways to differentiate between the experience of yourself where you begin and the other where they begin, right? Where do, where do I end and they begin? What's the difference between the experience of my parental figure and my own experience. And in unhealthy codependency, we have a hard time knowing ourselves as okay if our primary attachment figures are not okay. So there's a loss of differentiation. There's a loss of empowerment. There's a loss of self. And in the family system, there can often be two protection mechanisms in the form of our attachment systems and the way that they develop as a function of codependent dynamics within the family system. So if it wasn't safe to set a boundary in your home, then it's it's common that you'd have a codependent dynamic. So this is not just for individuals who grow, grew up in homes with addiction or alcoholism, although it's very common, but it's also for those with parental figures who were very codependent or who had high expectation or who did not honor boundaries, right? So when we have that kind of dynamic in our household that feels unsafe to differentiate between myself and other, and we don't actually learn that, we move into avoidance, right? An avoidant attachment system that is like, I'm going to move away. I'm going to create distance. It's not safe to merge. It's not safe to lose myself in the other. I've, it often forms avoidant attachment system often forms in individuals who are given more over responsibility, who they grew up in a household with a lot of expectation for them to hold a lot of emotional content or physical to do content or over responsibility for others. Now, the flip side of the coin is anxious attachment. Right. So when there's this codependent dynamic and you're actually not getting your needs met and you're feeling a lack of presence and a lack of of love and a lack of support from the primary attachment system, the protection is to go into an anxious the, the system, the nervous system is conditioned into an anxious attachment system. So it's the feeling of, of needing more, of wanting more, of demanding more right? There's, there's an anxiety of, of, of looking for something outside of yourself to fill the gap, to fill the void, right? And so we can see these are all just different attachment systems that are a function of our environment that we grew up in. So for myself, I noticed there was a veering into the anxious attachment system where in my household, personally, I grew up with a parent that was going through a lot of addiction and had not done the work to resolve their own internal attachment systems and their own internal trauma and woundings didn't have the tools to do that. And so my experience was a unpredictable environment where there was a lack of presence. There was a lack of security. There was a lack of stability. There was a lack of knowing that the love and the support that I needed in a predictable way that felt secure would actually be present. And so the nervous system became conditioned toward an anxious attachment system. And so I got to see in my relationship life, as I've become more and more conscious, the, that attachment system, the anxious attachment system will tend to attract into, you know, it's life. I've attracted into my life, a tendency toward men that mirror about exactly the level of resolution that I've gotten to myself on my anxious attachment their own avoidant attachment. So earlier in my evolutionary process, when this was still in its denser form, my partners often exhibited a stronger avoidant attachment style. And then through time, that's like the perfect pair to actually bring up the mirror to heal the anxious avoidant on my side. So healthy responsibility for my own process through the mirror of relationship looked like 
really feeling within my system when my own anxious attachment system is getting the bell rung. And instead of blaming my partner or needing my partner to be different, I started to take full responsibility and ownership of this is my opportunity to hold myself in this process, to show up for myself, to repattern my nervous system, to heal the trauma that is not currently happening, right? That I'm not safe, that I'm not secure and actually create that safety and security from the inside out. And so over time, I really worked that muscle within myself and developed more of a secure attachment system that would sometimes in the right scenario with my partner, my anxious attachment system could still come up. And I would say in my most recent relationship, the anxious system was in its lightest form and I got to see pieces of it still rise, still pieces of the codependency, the reaching outside of myself to want to feel safe, the over identification with the emotional experience of my partner and like kind of the desire for him to feel okay or for things to be okay between us in order for me to feel okay. And I've really had the opportunity to work that muscle of sourcing my own sense of safety, sourcing my own sense of security within myself through the catalyst of the relationship ending. And so it's easy to see it clearly now, easier than ever before. So there's a healthy sense of responsibility there. So I want to name the arc in the way that it's occurred for me from codependency to independence, which says, I know myself as safe, as secure with or without an external source of that safety and security. So whatever I've needed to do within myself in order to self-generate and self-source that sense of security and safety is exactly what I've done. That looks like somatic work. That looks like trauma healing work. That looks like dancing. That looks like time in nature. That looks like tracking through self-awareness when my, I want to reach outside of myself for support and notice that I'm coming from an illusion of lack rather than a sense of wholeness. And when I'm in a sense of wholeness and just desire connection, that's different than coming from a sense of lack and fear and insecurity and reaching outside to fill something which becomes a pacifier rather than a true healed whole place, right? We don't actually want a pacifier, right? We want truth. We want self-security, self-certainty to be self-sourced. We want to know ourselves as independent, as individuated, right? So we get to heal our source attachment wounding through these relationships that come in as the perfect mirrors to reflect how dense is that patterning still? Where does it want to pop? Where is it ready to pop? And when we can see it, there's such medicine there. So through the medicine of sovereignty, the medicine of independence, I'm healing. I'm taking again, that step from codependency to independence. Now I started this expression by sharing that it's really not a far leap. It's quite different, but not a far leap from codependence to interdependence. And that leap comes through the quantum step of true, healthy, sovereign independence. So once you've come to a place where you're embodying sovereignty, and I'm not, I want to speak of the subtlety here between lone wolfing it, like I'm on my own and I'm holding myself because I have to, because no one else will, because no one else can. That's, that is not what I'm speaking of here. That's still an expression of protection. That's still an expression of a wounded belief that you are not worthy of the kind of love and care and support that you deserve and you are. So there's work in there. If you're noticing yourself, I am independent and I do do it by myself. But if there's still a thread of because nobody else will, nobody else can, we still want to soften that. The type of independence and sovereignty I'm speaking of here is coming from a relaxed sense of wholeness a relaxed sense of trust in yourself and in life that is still open, that is still open-hearted, that is still available for connection if it were to arise and okay with connection leaving if it were to fall. 
So when we embody that sense of sovereignty, which I feel through any good breakup, you have the opportunity to re-engage that muscle. We then open the doorway to interdependence and it's easy to get then attached to, I do it on my own. I'm safe. I'm whole in myself. But as a human being, we, the nature of being human is that we are actually meant to operate interdependently with all of life, not just with other humans, but with the air that we're breathing, with the food that we're eating, with the earth that we live on. We are not self-contained islands. We're not. So the highest aim from my perspective is to move through the passage from codependency, the lack of ability to differentiate your between self and other, to a claiming of healthy independence. This is who I am when I'm safe and secure and sourced from the inside out, to then opening wide as an availability for life force in all of its forms, in the form of your animal, in the form of your beloved, in the form of your friends, in the form of um, the food that you're eating to come into your life as a source of love through forms that are always changing. So we're not mistaking any one form as the source of the love that we need. And if it changes, that's the codependency. Then we're not safe. Then we're not okay. We're actually holding very lightly because we feel that sense of independent security that we've earned, that we've grown into, and we're no longer in protection. This is where the avoidant pattern can get tricky, right? Those who tend toward the nervous system tends more toward the avoidant pattern can get real comfy in the independent sovereign expression because it can feel scary to lean into the edge of interdependence. And because again, it's not too far of a stretch to be unhealthy. It can look very similar. Maybe that's a better way to say it. In terms of the way it looks, it's not a far stretch. In terms of the way it feels, it's worlds apart to move from codependence to interdependence. So you can still appear to be in romantic partnership in an interdependent form to be in relationship with your friends and family in an interdependent form that visually appears to be very similar as when it did when you were in codependent relationship, but the way that it feels is worlds apart. So I say that again, why would it feel worlds apart? Because we've the identity that's in the codependent, either anxious, holding on to, or avoidant, pushing away from relationship to the forms in our lives has gone through the death process and resurrected into the healthy sovereign form that is in balance, that is secure. So then from the secure place, which again, this is why I started with saying compassion. We don't want to even get attached to having to be secure all the time. Like I said, I felt after the relationship arc I had arrived into when I arrived in my most recent relationship, I was manifesting and feeling mostly secure with a leaning towards some anxiousness, right? So the relationship was just enough for me to manifest mostly as secure with a lean into anxiousness. And when it got really hard at the end, that was enough catalyst to bring up more of the anxious expression. And the same on his end, there was much more of the avoidant expression. We were mirroring each other in that. So we got to see, I got to see, I can speak for myself, where my work still lived in the healing of those pieces of anxious attachment that were still coming up in the stew of you know, the magnitude of that connection, right? So through the ending of that connection, I have the opportunity to do my work, but it doesn't mean I needed to put a label of perfection on myself. I was like, oh, I wasn't like, oh, I thought I was in my secu- stabilized and secure attachment and a little bit of anxious attachment came up in this relationship. I'm actually proud of the way that I held myself, even with the anxious attachment coming up, because I was aware that my nervous system was coming up with anxious attachment. And there were situations that were forming that were quite understandable, understandably triggering 
my anxious attachment system to come up. So I actually had held it really well and had a lot of compassion for myself in the ways that it was coming up. And yet still it did come up, which gave me the opportunity to take ownership, take responsibility of it, move into sovereignty, create that security and stability within myself, and then yield now evolve into, again, the desire, the healthy desire for interdependence in all areas of my life. I don't desire to be an island, right? And so a lot of people get out of relationships, go through massive heartbreak portals, and then get attached to the sovereign expression because semi-consciously or subconsciously, it's just too damn scary to open into relationship again. And for me, I can feel some of that where it's like, oh my gosh, it can feel really scary, but it's actually more scary to me to get attached to I'm in this sovereign expression and this is what it is. And I'm safe here and secure here. It's like, yes, all that is actually true, but perhaps you can feel the state that I'm in is more of a rested state in the like, yeah, it does feel true actually for a time. This is the first time I've been single in nearly five years that I enjoy my sovereign expression and get to know myself as a sovereign being. And yet I'm not going to put any rules on life, on the universe. I really trust that when it's time for natural partnership to come into my life again, I'll open my heart to that. And whatever comes up along the journey, I will meet it with truth and presence and love and that it's okay and safe for me to open my heart and receive my own desire to experience interdependent relationship with life, which is the relationship between two holes. So I'm noticing interdependence in its healthy form show up already in so many forms in my life that came through the death portal of the last experience I had of these anxious pieces being healed within me. And again, I don't know if more pieces of that aspect of myself that I love will come up in the future, but it's giving me a doorway to another level of interdependent relationship with my friends, with my family, with my animal, with life itself. As life continues to change form, I'm noticing increased appreciation increased participation rather than preservation. So through interdependent relationship, it's like there's a high level of respect for every form and every relationship that shows up in my life. And there's a togetherness, but there's not a grab. There's not a need. There's not a lack. There's not a control that I'm experiencing. There's a fluidity. There's a co-creative fluidity that's present in interdependent relationship with life. And so there's still the word dependent in there. So I want to start to kind of shed some of the shamey connotation that we have around the word dependent. Like I don't want to be dependent on anything, but the word dependent just means we're when it's in its healthy form, I think I've named enough of some of the shadowy form, but in its healthy form, there's, there's a, an allowance of support to be present in your life. So like it's healthy from my perspective to allow yourself to desire to be an interdependent relationship with life, to allow yourself to support and be supported, to be in connection and co-creation, to be willing to be in the messiness of of the human experience with another being and to not run from that, to not be in the avoidance of that, right? Because of an attachment to the safety in sovereignty and to also not cling to it out of an attachment, right? To the feeling of that love and the desire for it to not go away because life will bring the catalyst if we get too attached to help us learn how to let go of control, right? So if you listen to prior episodes, I go deeper into the careful study that I've been making into that. But here I'm speaking to the arc from codependency the attachment systems that are common, right? To go from avoidant attachment where the tendency at a young age was to be feel consumed by the love over expectation and pressure and to want to push away from it or anxious attachment, which is there wasn't enough love present. There was a feeling of unsafety or lack and the tendency to want to hold on to it or get more of it or need it. Right. And then we start to address these attachment systems often through the relationships that we attract into our lives. And we have the opportunity to heal through those attachment systems and arrive into a healthy form of independence that then 
the invitation is to leap into rest open as love, which allows for support to be present in your life, allows for connection to be present in your life without pushing it away or gripping onto it. Now, everything I've named here is in the context of healing your side of the coin in life and in relationship and in love, healing your side of the coin. So I feel like for myself, I personally tend to take over responsibility. So I'm really good at taking over responsibility and saying, here's where my work is. Here's where I could have done better. Here's where I can do better. And I'm noticing as a, as a feminine being, there's a lot of conditioning for women to make it okay to nurture, to nourish, to make it okay. And I see in my own patterning, when I look at my own relationship with my father and my, my primary attachment male figure, the tendency was to contort myself, to overcompensate for his lack of capacity and willingness to do his own work. And it was threatening and scary if I didn't. If I were to set boundaries that were healthy for me, it would feel unsafe at a young age. And through my review of my relationship history, as it's been catalyzed through these recent breakups I've gone through, I've noticed my own patterning of the tendency to take over responsibility specifically with the masculine in my life, but also really across the board and to overcompensate in relationship with other, utilize the superpower of my sensitivity. And I invite you, if you're listening to tune into your own tendencies, do you have your own tendency to do this, to feel where it might be really uncomfortable for someone else And then if it's uncomfortable for them, then it becomes uncomfortable for you. And so the tendency is to overcompensate and take over responsibility for where the work is. Do you take on more of the load for another who isn't doing the work in your life? Again, I'm speaking to the law of synchronicity here. I wonder if those, if many of you who are listening are either experiencing this in your life or are in connection with someone who is. I know for myself, this is very much something I've become aware of. So I'm seeing where I've had a pattern of saying, oh, I could do better or I would do better. Or if we tried again, then I could do more of this. When I actually see that I'm not being met with the mirror of that on the other side, and I'm sitting with, where does that, where is that coming from? There's actually healing in that piece for me. And for anyone who's doing it, right? I'm not going to go into the details of this memory because I'm still processing it myself, but I had a repressed memory rise. And in that repressed memory, it's from my very late teens, like around freshman year in college. And I, in that memory, I'm realizing how much okaying how much overcompensating I did, how much ignoring, or you could also call fawning is a trauma response, just like pretending it didn't happen, trying to make it all okay, trying to glaze it over so that no one else had to feel uncomfortable, which also means I didn't have to feel uncomfortable because it would be too uncomfortable with the tools that I had at the time to actually deal with what was occurring, right? So- In this repressed memory, I experienced this fawning response. And in the fawning response, there's a pretending that it's okay. There's a, there's a numbing, right? There's a numbing. It's so interesting. As I'm, I'm speaking this, there's literally a spider coming down a thin web, one silken string right behind the computer where I'm filming. And just the synchronicity of that as I'm kind of weaving the web of all these experiences together, right? From the experiences I had in my early childhood into teenage years with my father to this repressed memory that came up that I got to see my own patterning and how that expressed itself in in my tendency to make that which is absolutely not okay, okay, right? And fawn and and, and, and actually kind of go into a freeze response. 
right? Not set boundaries there to seeing where in the much lighter form of it in my more recent relationship history, where my tendency was to take on the brunt of the work, to take on over responsibility, hundred percent responsibility for, for my side of the coin. And I made my side of the coin a hundred percent of the picture. And I went into unconscious agreement that that were the case rather than actually standing for only 50% of the coin is mine. And so I'm really noticing where I've had a learned lack of safety in setting boundaries. And there's this web that's being woven in my own life and how powerful it is in this work that life will bring the most precise catalysts into our life, right? Spider medicine, the, the web being woven. And if you kind of look at any, any one little bit of the web, all you can see is the strings being, you know, crisscrossing and it doesn't make total sense yet. But then as you zoom out and you zoom out and you zoom out, you start to see the whole picture. And there's this beautifully intricate, intricately woven web that when it's all put together into one form, it really captures the entire essence of your evolutionary journey. And it's, you can actually work with what's there, right? So I see that, wow, there's a, this pattern of experience in my life of, of where my tendency in the face of specifically masculine characters in my life, whether it's in romantic relationship, this repressed memory that came up, which was a traumatizing experience that I moved through where I didn't have the tools at the time to, to be boundaried, to own my space, to stand up for myself, to even make sense of what occurred to all the way back into my early childhood, where the origin points of, of that particular way of being began. And I can then fast forward it and I can rewind it and I can find points that just get lighter and lighter and lighter all along the history, right? Up until three months ago, where it was in its absolute lightest form, but still tendrils of me fawning, still tendrils of, of not owning anger, still tendrils of not setting my own boundaries, right? still tendrils of not fully showing up for myself and really seeing that, right? And so this is where I want to now start talking about boundary setting, right? So I've moved from, because I didn't want to start with stop taking over responsibility for those who take over responsibility in your lives and tend to be the ones who hold a lot for others, whether that's quite literal, practical, tangible to do type things or emotional responsibility. Like I have a high pain threshold tolerance, so I can deal with this extra pain. So I'll take on the shame. I'll take on the burden. I'll take on the stress. I'll take on the sadness that is, I'll just make it okay for everyone else. And I'll take it on. I'll take it on. And that's actually something to become quite aware of, but in order to stop taking on the emotional responsibility or the to-do list for everyone else, we have to learn how to hold a new type of discomfort, which is the discomfort of being with what comes up when we set boundaries. The discomfort that comes up when we position ourselves to potentially be misperceived by the people that we care about the most. The discomfort that can come up when we interrupt the pattern. The discomfort that can come up when we break the unconsciously agreed upon dynamics that have been set for a really long time in relationships. That's something to sit with here as we cross this threshold. When you notice, and if you're noticing in your own life that you have a tendency to take over responsibility, either practically and tangibly or emotionally for those in your life, like mom's upset, so I'm going to make it all okay and graze it over so that she doesn't feel that way so that I don't have to feel the feeling of her not being okay. This is you feel the codependency in that. And I'll be with the pain of not listening to my own awareness that is saying X, Y, or Z. I have needs, or I don't feel safe, 
or I don't like this feeling of guilt, but I'll just, I'm used to being the one to hold it. Do you feel what I mean? So the first step in is just, first of all, noticing, are you someone who has a tendency to compensate for others? Do you have a tendency to compensate for another's lack of willingness to hold their load? And it's either a conscious lack of willingness or even more painfully, it's an unconscious lack of willingness because they may actually just not agree or be able to see what it is that you're seeing. So this happens a lot in family systems or relationship dynamics when your awareness and the work that you're doing, if you're listening to this podcast, my assumption is that you have committed yourself to being the very best, most loving, kind, generous, self-aware human being that you can. And as we grow and evolve in this way, those in our lives who are fixed to the safety and the familiarity of old ways of being in many ways that are coming out of their own protections, they often are not able to see what you're seeing. And so you might be seeing something and have a boundary that you need to set that they actually may experience anger, frustration, lack of agreement. You actually may not be seen and understood by them if you set the boundary. So you, the tendency can be to come into this like unconscious or semi-conscious agreement to lower your energy and disown your actual awareness in order to preserve outdated patterns or outdated ways of being with someone who is actually just in a totally different reality at this time than you are. So I just want to, first of all, bring in compassion to how hard that is and how uncomfortable that can be. And also that we're always growing. And sometimes we, we don't want to get righteous on anyone. Right. So it's like, I don't know what I don't know, but I do know that I'm learning about myself. One tendency, especially if I respect and love someone in romantic partnership, my tendency can be to kind of yield to them and kind of take on their perspective to avoid the discomfort of setting the boundary when we both have different perspectives, right? And I'm seeing something potentially that they are not able to, willing to, or even want to see, or may not agree with at all. And so in my own journey, I'm actually stepping into a space of owning my own awareness, owning my own boundaries more. As a first step here, I would, as we move from the proper, healthy, natural ownership of your side of the coin. So, so as I, the whole first part of this episode, I focus so much on in any relationship dynamic, in any life dynamic, always, yes, a hundred percent take responsibility for your part to the furthest reaches of every part that you can, because you are not a victim and there's empowerment in that there's empowerment in that until there's not. And what I'm talking about here is where there's empowerment in it all the way up to I'm healing my attachment system. I'm healing my codepend my issues around codependency. I'm moving into independence. Now I'm in healthy interdependence. Oh, but where am I still taking over responsibility here? Do you feel what I mean? So I want you to track. It's not, do not take responsibility for your side of the coin. It's absolutely yes. Take full hundred percent responsibility for everything that's happening in your life. But what I'm looking at here is where does that veer into its shadow where it gets comfy to be the one in responsibility so that you don't have to set boundaries with those who are not taking ownership and responsibility for their part. So sitting with now the, the uncomfortable conversation within yourself of where am I making that, that what, where am I making it okay? Where am I brushing pieces under the rug? in my life and in relationship that actually don't feel good to me? Where am I doing that? So we're now talking about stop taking over responsibility in your life. And in order to do that, we first need to become aware of where it's happening. And I'm talking about from the subtle T all the way to the overt. So this is like clean up, right? This is taking inventory from the subtle to the overt in your life, where am I 
allowing even subtle dynamics where, you know, friends are telling me they're going to call me back tomorrow and then they don't call me back for four days. Right. Or, but we're like making plans to do something that's really important to me. And I'm in a pattern of like waiting and then making that okay and pretending that that's okay. That's one example. Right. There's a conversation there and it's coming from, we want to be sure it's not coming from a codependent state. It's not coming from a need for them to be different. First, it's coming from an ownership of your own sovereignty. It's coming from an ownership of the desire to be an interdependent relationship with this being and co-creative collaborative relationship. And if that is going to continue, there is an ownership of your needs and what it looks like for those needs to be met. And if they can't meet those needs, that's okay. But you're coming from an actual willingness to honor yourself and release that type of co-creative collaborative relationship with that particular individual. So this brings us into the action of setting boundaries. So in this example, I'm going to continue through this line. So if you're going to set a boundary with this individual, the first thing is to really get right with yourself. That I'm setting, I'm willing to set a boundary with this individual while also staying open. And if I do set this boundary, am I willing truly to let go and recalibrate and actually stand with myself in this to the degree that I'm actually willing to let go of the collaborative relationship with this individual if they, if they don't meet me at the baseline level of connection that I'm asking for, the baseline level of respect that I'm asking for. And you can do that with total love and respect for where they're at in their journey, right? So as soon as you receive that truth within yourself, then you can connect with them with both open-heartedness and a true set boundary, right? So that feels like an important place to sit with is where is my come from? So when setting a boundary, I'm finding that getting right within yourself of where the come from is originating is important, that it's not originating from anger, that it's not originating from old material that actually has nothing to do with this person, but that you're like expressing towards them, but actually like really getting clear about what's the dynamic here. Where do I desire more respect, more connection, more clarity in this dynamic? How is it showing up? How is it not showing up? What am I actually willing to do within myself if this person can't meet me and to get okay with that, like really get okay with letting that, the form of the relationship change if you aren't met. So you're actually receiving your own boundary baseline within yourself and at the same time coming with an open heart. Now, when we have fear of setting boundaries, a lot of times it comes from the codependent dynamics that we grew up with. We just weren't used to having boundaries in our relationship field because it wasn't actually safe. So if you imagine your environment growing up and if you set a boundary, it actually felt unsafe or you were made wrong or bad for it, the action of setting a boundary can bring up in your nervous system a true feeling of unsafety. And so then we have thoughts of, of guilt or I'm selfish for asking for this, or my needs don't actually matter, or am I not taking care of their needs because we're so used from the codependent space to I'm okay if they're okay. So the tendency is to take care of other people's needs first, which is a side effect of over-responsibility, right? When I take over-responsibility all the time, I'm taking care of other people's needs first because that feels safer to me when their needs are taken care of, my needs are taken care of. Do you guys feel the, the shadow in that, the codependency in that? And so we're dismantling this whole system through the simple action of setting boundaries. And so I just want to name for those who have not been boundaried as a baseline, this can be a really big turning point in your life. So we get to move slow with it and we get to move at the pace that we actually need. So starting with the subtleties, just noticing subtleties in your life, safe friendships where, oh, we're like, there's a boundary here that I really want to set, or there's a need that I haven't been asking for, or I see where I'm over caretaking for their emotional needs. And they're not even asking me for it, but that's what I'm doing. Right? So how can I recalibrate that within myself and do it at pace? 
So part of that is noticing, okay, as I do this boundary setting dojo and do this at pace, I'm going to be really gentle and easy with myself. And I'm going to notice that first is becoming aware of where, where are the boundaries that I want to set? Where am I taking over responsibility in my life? Where do I feel like I would like to be met just a little bit more? Where am I taking over responsibility either in the logistics and the to-dos or in the emotional realm for the relationships in my life? And where am I going to start to set some more of these boundaries that that affords me more room for for self-respect and then interconnected shared space of mutual support and respect? That's the aim here. And as I step into this, I'm going to notice... First, okay, I'm going to love on this body. I'm going to start to do some grounding, right? Like notice where am I located in space? Where is my feet on the earth? Where is my seat on the seat? How is my breath? I'm going to use my senses to actually orient myself to the space and know that this is a place I can come back to over and over and over again. So we can use breath like box breath, right? Four seconds in holding it at the top for four seconds, four seconds out, holding it at the bottom for four seconds, four seconds in, holding it at the top for four seconds. These are all ways to regulate your nervous system just as the trauma body or the emotional body starts to take over when we break some of these longstanding patterns. We have tools and ways to take care of ourselves and just pace ourselves. Also going into it, just kind of speaking consciously to yourself that, hey, Zahara, or whatever your name is, just really speaking to yourself, like it's very likely that when you set this boundary, you're probably going to have some learned thoughts come up that, oh no, are they mad at me? I'm bad. I'm wrong. I'm being selfish. I'm not taking care of their needs. Whatever these name your own poison, right? that you're aware of either thoughts you're pretty sure you might have or feelings you're afraid to feel, right? They might leave. I might get abandoned. The feeling of abandonment, the feeling of being left, the feeling of being rejected, the feeling of being misunderstood. It would be healthy to journal. These are about, these are some feelings and thoughts that I might have. You know, if I set this boundary, then I might feel the feeling of rejection, the feeling of abandonment, the feeling, right? X, Y, Z, the feeling of being unsafe. If I set this boundary, I might think I'm being selfish. I'm wrong, right? And just get them down on paper, right? And you might notice if you flip it around, if somebody sets a boundary like this with you, oh, I might think they're being selfish. I might think they're not taking care of my needs. I might think, you know, they don't care, right? So notice, then flip it. Notice how you might react at times when others set boundaries with you. Even though on the deepest level, I I suspect if it's a healthy boundary, you really respect them for it. I know I certainly do, right? So then we just start to look at our own internal psyche and our ways of thinking and being. And as we get these down on paper, then you can start to within your own practice, just orienting around, okay, this, this, this fear of feeling the feeling of abandonment, like if that worst fear were to happen, could I be with, be okay with myself right there? And just imagine yourself into that possibility and see if that's actually more uncomfortable at this point than it is for you to continue to take over responsibility here and abandon yourself so that they don't abandon you. Because essentially that's what you're doing. Because you're afraid of being abandoned, you're abandoning yourself and your own needs by not setting this boundary that's actually true for you. And in that framework, you can never have the relationship with this person that you actually want to have because a part of you is actually being abandoned. It doesn't matter whether they do it or you do it, you're still getting abandoned. And that's what we remedy when we learn how to set healthy boundaries in relationship as a new pattern, as a rule, when we have a relationship history that is lacking the capacity to set clear, strong boundaries that include the you that is angry, that include the you that has perspective, 
that include the you that gets to stand up for yourself. That includes the you that is clear and powerful and um, creative of a container for yourself that is safe and not putting it on someone else to create that container that is safe for you. And when you create that container that is safe for you, and I suspect you'll start to find over time that it becomes more uncomfortable to abandon yourself than it is to risk the feeling of someone else potentially abandoning you if you speak your truth and set a boundary with them. And what I'm finding is that the more I speak my truth and set boundaries with the people in my life, the more met I feel, the more respected I feel, the more seen I feel, the more the paper tiger, the fear that I might get abandoned actually dissolves. And I realize that I am respected. I'm loved. I'm safe, right? The individuals in my life, the relationships are actually, they deepen. The more I set the boundary, the more I stand up for myself, the more I create reference points for myself, that my perspective, my perception, my awareness, my truth, my heart is valid, is valuable, and I'm willing to stand up for it. And that's who I am now. That's who I've become through the experience of all the me's on the way. And all the me's on the way from the me that was very young in an environment where it wasn't safe to set boundaries and learned how to survive by not doing that to the me and the repressed memory that came up who just literally didn't know how to process that experience, didn't know what even happened, didn't know how to stand up for herself, didn't know how to sit with that, how to situate that experience in herself to the me that went through, has gone through heartbreak to the me that had different perspective than my romantic partner and didn't fully take the opportunity to own her boundaries, right? All those me's that led up to the me today that is willing more and more and more to feel the anger as it rises and allow that to be a part of clarity when a boundary is required. All those me's, this one today doesn't exist without them. This one today, speaking to you right now, if you're receiving anything from this, doesn't exist without them. They are my teachers. They are my allies. They are my friends. They are my protectors who did what they needed to do at the time with the tools, the capacity, and the awareness that they had to keep me, us safe. Genius. So I invite you as we grow in this way together to honor all the yous up until this moment, every single one. Honor every single one with everything that you have. Celebrate them. There was a story, an incredible somatic therapist told me that I might butcher the location. So it's not about that, but there was soldiers. They were coming back from war with PTSD and they did a study across multiple different locations. I don't remember where this was, but across multiple different locations around the recovery and the treatment of these soldiers with PTSD. And over time, they did these studies and there was one location where the soldiers recovered to an enormous degree, faster and better than any of the other soldiers with PTSD in any other location. And so the researchers went to the therapist in this location and asked, what are you doing that's different? And the therapist was like, I don't know, I'm not doing anything different, just cl the classic treatment that everyone else is doing. And then suddenly that therapist remembered and he said, well, actually there is something different. The mayor of this town threw a parade to celebrate the soldiers that came back from war. All the soldiers with PTSD literally experienced a parade to celebrate them, to celebrate what they'd been through, to celebrate the journey that they had walked, to celebrate who they had become. And their recovery was exponentially faster than the rest of the soldiers. And I share this story to say that all the different versions of you who have had a hard time setting boundaries in the past, who have had a tendency to take over responsibility for your part 
are protectors, just like those soldiers were, that deserve a celebration because they were doing exactly what was necessary at the time to hold you, to protect you, to love you, to keep you safe, to try to preserve love. And they deserve compassion. They deserve care. They deserve inclusion. They deserve appreciation from the you now who is receiving this message, who is ready to interrupt the pattern and say, thank you all so much. You are so included in this. I wouldn't be where I am today without you touching the lives that I'm here to touch without you. And now you can trust me. You can trust me from this interdependent, whole, sovereign, clear place to be angry if I'm angry, to stand up for my perspective when my perspective reveals itself and it might be different than someone else's, to be with the experience of someone else disagreeing with me or being or misperceiving me, to be with the experience even of someone in my life withdrawing their love in any way as a result of a boundary that I'm setting, which is me standing up for a need that I require to be met in order for my energy to move towards you at this point. And I keep that door open and I have a strong boundary. And I'm willing to be with myself and with all of you, all these aspects that might come up and say, but no, that's too scary or we're not going to be okay. Because at the time you didn't have the tools back then, three months ago, one year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago to be okay with the experience of love being taken, or you didn't know that you had the tools. But now today, even perhaps from this moment forward, you do, you have the capacity to start to practice and give yourself the credit of the possibility that you do have the tools to be okay. If the chance occurs that someone in your life withdraws their love and care as a function of your boundary, and if that occurs and it's a true and authentic boundary that's coming from self-care and love and your heart's still open, and that occurs, that relationship is not serving you in, in, in order for it to be in your life, it would need to elevate into a space where that individual respects your boundaries, right? So this is also a clarification process. The relationships that I want to have in my life are relationships with individuals whose boundaries I respect because I respect them enough to know where their edges are, where their needs are. And I want to know how to meet their needs. And if they have a need that I can't meet, I want that boundary to be there. And I want to be able to say that's a need that I can't meet right now. And reciprocally, the relationships I want in my life are relationships that respect me enough and are attuned to me enough to know that if I set a boundary or speak a truth, that it's worthy of deep inquiry and that it's worthy of respect and care and deeper discovery, right? And I really hold that to be true for all of us. So thank you for taking this journey with me for you know discovering where in your life you are taking or get to take more ownership of what is occurring in your reality, relationally or otherwise, that is asking you to grow. For all the places you are already doing that, I celebrate you. Just like the soldiers who got that parade, well done for the ownership that you are taking, for the compassion that you're having for yourself and all the ways that you're growing. And then the journey into noticing where we tend to take over responsibility and get real used as hyper overperforming Jedi evolvers to taking over responsibility. And we start to overcompensate for those who aren't doing that. And the encouragement here in this episode is to notice where that's happening and to pull your energy home just where it's going into over responsibility. And there's where your boundary is at to no longer hold more than is actually yours to hold in your relations. And from there, we get to look at the process of setting healthy boundaries in our lives. And when we have healthy boundaries in our lives, they can actually be porous because we're surrounded by individuals who truly love and respect us. So there's a clear boundary of, of my time and energy and space that I actually have that's being fully respected by those in my world. And then I can be together, even in the experience of boundary with the people that I love. 
I can be more free, more relaxed, more generous in my relationships, because I really trust that I don't need to protect myself in any way, because if there's a noticing of, oh, I'm overextending, my boundary will be respected. And that feels liberating. That feels freeing. It's safe for me to be wherever I'm at in all of my relationships, including if I feel angry or sad or need space or time or desire more of something in this connection. It can be voiced without a a lack, right? It can be voiced without a pressure. It can just be voiced as a desire. Perhaps need isn't the right word, but a desire for more of something in this relationship. And if it can be met, beautiful. And if it can't be met, that's also okay, right? And so you see there's actually an amplification of opportunity for connection and for love to flow and really just knowing the truth in the heart of yourself and those around you. So my prayer is that this transmission inspired you, touched you in any way. If it did, I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me through Instagram or leave a review in iTunes, which really supports the show and also helps me know you and what's really touching you in your heart the most. What is the most meaningful content for you that's coming through this podcast? With that, I want to thank you for your time, your energy, and your listening. And I so look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart, leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.